morning, looking at uh, Mark. I got a new new toy here. I got all my notes on this document viewer. So assuming it doesn't crash, I will preach to you, or I'm going to make it up. Here we go. Mark the uh, third chapter of the thirteenth verse. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. <laughs> I don't know what the other guys thought about that. He doesn't want them. But uh, uh, he called just the ones that he wanted. And, uh, and they came to him. And there were 12 guys. And he appointed them, designating them as apostles. That they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. And to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12 he appointed. Simon, who, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To these brothers he gave the names Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Then there was Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and of course, the infamous Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, though multitudes of people followed after Jesus... I find it very interesting that he took time to develop a very special bond with just 12 men that he called his apostles. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus have a special bond with just 12? Now keep in mind, it wasn't that he just had 12 guys around him. He was surrounded by disciples and multitudes, sometimes in the tens of thousands, would follow after him as he taught them and ministered to them, and prayed for them, and healed them, surrounded by so many people. But yet, out of all of this, he took that special time to connect with just these 12. Why would he do that? Because something special and unique happens in a smaller group setting, where you can truly get to know others, and be known by them as well. Now at Celebration Church, one of the challenges that we have, uh, as Pastor Lathan said, our, our slogan is to be real, to belong, and to become. And we challenge people to be real, be very open and honest. When we use the word challenge, we mean that. We challenge you. We're not hinting at it. We're in your face about it. Be real. Be honest. Be open. Don't wear plastic masks when you come to church. If you're struggling You need to be able to be honest and share that with people. And of course, we're all going to say, you know, how you doing? Doing great. I mean, that's just kind of a courtesy type thing. But if you're really struggling, you know, don't just let everybody know, yeah, I'm okay, when you're not okay. And you need to know something. It's okay not to be okay. No one's always all right with everything. There's days I struggle horribly. We all struggle in life. If we connect with others, we're able to share and be real with them. One of the things in so many Christian churches is people intentionally walk in with this kind of plastic mask about them. Or they pretend everything's alright when indeed things are not alright. Why? Because they don't want others to think badly of them and, or they're just trying to be super private. And, stuff. and I understand all those things. But um, if you're going to really have others be concerned about you, you've got to be able to be vulnerable enough to share your concerns and needs. Uh, So while it's great to be part of a large congregation, and if you add up all the uh, uh, people connected with Celebration Church on a weekend, uh, we have this uh, meeting here, there's the the cafe down on the other end, hi guys, Uh, there's the uh, church in Stevens Point that uh, is connected by video as well, Um, and when you add it up, it's about 
between 2,000 and 2,500 people on a weekend if they all showed up at the same time, like on Easter. <laughs> it's over 3,000. Uh, so, um, and, and it's a wonderful thing. There's great energy that comes from that and strength and, and we're able to do things as a large church that you just can't do when you're in a tiny church. But as wonderful as all that is, one of, one of the fallbacks on it is that you can't really get to know other people and others can't... Uh, uh, really get to know you if, if you can't transition out of a large worship experience into a smaller group experience. Now, on our uh, last Wednesday night Bible study, and, uh, and let me encourage you, if you haven't had a chance yet, come on out on our Wednesday night Bible studies. It is a scream, and we're having a phenomenal time. It is my favorite service of the week. I think my best preaching is on Wednesday night, actually. If you, if you like this, you ought to come on Wednesday night, because it gets, it gets wild and crazy. And it is a riot. And it's been growing. Um, last uh, Wednesday was the largest group we've had here. Uh, hundreds of people are coming out on Wednesday night. It's starting to look like a Sunday morning service. Why would so many people come out in the middle of the week? Because we're just studying the Bible and going through it verse by verse and having a phenomenal, entertaining, and enlightening time as we do it. But uh, one of the things that we're doing right now is we're reading about uh, reading in the book of Ephesians about who we are in Christ. And what Paul does is he, he starts to explain because of who we are, we need to act right. Which is very different than so many people think. They think, I need to act right so I can earn my way to God. Millions of people all over the world think that way. And varying religions are trying to act in a certain way, pray a certain way, do things in a certain way so they can earn their way to God. And sadly, of all the religions of the world that should know better, Christianity, sadly millions of Christians think that way. You know, they've been going to church all their life and they think, well, I just need to act better and act better so I can get to heaven someday. I can earn my way to God. But no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Nobody can earn their way to God. You can't do it. You say, well, I'm such a good guy. Well, what do you think can do? You still can't do it. You might be a lot better than some slime bag, but you're still a long way off. It would be, I used the analogy in the first service of, if, it's like if you took all the really rotten people that you know, everybody agrees are rotten, you know, child abusers and everything else, all the filthiest of the filthiest people, and you dug the deepest hole possible to mankind, and you put all those people down there. And then you put all the in-between nice kind of people on the earth, and then you put the really, really good, really nice people on top of Mount Everest. You'd have a huge difference, right? From Mount Everest all the way down to this huge pit. Man, we're talking some serious separation. But then God comes and says, okay, everybody, I want you to reach up and touch the moon. Well, it wouldn't matter where you're at. Top of the mountain, in the bottom of the pit, you can't reach up and touch the moon. While some people are nicer and better than they think other people, and that's probably very, very true, it's still not enough to get you to God. You need to have Jesus Christ in your life because he's the one who connects you with God by forgiving your sins and making this possible. So what Paul says, Christians should act in a good way not to become something, but because they are something. Are you catching that? It would be like if all of a sudden someone came to you and said, you know, look, uh, we found through some uh, weird circumstances that you're actually royalty and you're next in line to be the king of whatever country. Um, It would change you. 
it would change you the way because if you start realizing, wow, I'm somebody, I'm something, I've got these huge responsibilities, I got all this money, I'm whoo, it would change you just because of who you are. Well, that's what Paul tries to say. When he encourages people to act right in the Bible, in the New Testament, he's not beating up on Christians. You know, I'll beat up on you. But he doesn't. He's trying to get them. Do right. Why? Because of who you are. And if you start to understand and realize who you are, you realize, I'm better than this. I need to be who God created me to be. And that kind of thing. So we've been having lots of fun looking at that. But then he goes on and says, uh, so we act rightly towards God because of who we are. Not trying to earn our way to God. But then we need to act a certain way to each other as Christians kind, patient, forgiving, all that kind of stuff. And he says the reason for doing that is because you're connected to each other. Because you belong to each other. He uses the analogy of a body. Okay? And uh, on Wednesday night I use the analogy that all parts of us are connected to each other and we depend on each other. And if, if one hand does something stupid and gets a door slammed in it, the other hand doesn't come over and go, moron. Why weren't you paying attention, you know? No, what does the other hand do? He goes to comfort it. Ow, 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 ow! In fact, the whole body becomes acutely aware that something is wrong. Alright? Wow, that hurt! And everything rushes to comfort and connect with it. Now, one of the great things about being part of a body, too, is that you can do more than you can uh, by yourself. Because you get the energy and the strength from the body. Um... A hand is a fabulous instrument. The hands can do incredible. They can play music. They can build things. They can do art. They can all the fabulous things. But if you cut off the hand, it doesn't do anything. It just lays there. All the potential is there, but without the connection, without the blood flow, without the the nerve endings and stuff, some brain to tell it what to do, it can't do anything. Now, a lot of Christians I know try to think that, no, they can be cut off. You know, I've got this gift, I'm the way, and they just, you know, they think they're the thing in the Adams family. You know, or the hand just runs around and dances around and does all kinds of things and doesn't need anybody else, you know. Well, that might work for the Adams family, but it doesn't work for you. You can't truly accomplish what God's called you to accomplish on your own. Lone Ranger Christianity does not work. It just makes you weird. It does. Have you met any people who are just kind of off on their own? They're kind of odd. And the more they're off their own, the odder they get. They're not even aware. Why? Because there's no point of reference. They're not connected to anything or to anybody. Um, Now, one of the downsides to being connected and and, and one of the reasons that people pull away from wanting to be connected is that if part of the body hurts everybody feels the pain of it and they think that's a sign of something wrong you know when they're connected to a church or some organization like this and and all of a sudden they're sensing the pain of others or they, they think that's a sign that something's wrong no, no, no it's not a sign of something's wrong it's a sign of something's right it's supposed to hurt you're supposed to feel, Pastor, I was hurt by that guy. You're supposed to be hurt by that guy. Pastor, I, I feel, yes, that's normal. That's healthy. Uh, there's diseases, you know, uh, that you can get physically where you quit feeling things. And, uh, in fact, I, uh, I was reading online. It was one of the coaches. I think, who was the coach? What was, who won the uh, Super Bowl last year? What was that coach's name? Dungy. I think his son has one of these diseases. I was reading about who can't feel anything. He doesn't feel pain. You would think, 
Wow, isn't that cool? Wouldn't it be great if you never felt pain? No, it's horrible. Because he burns himself and he cuts himself and he breaks things and, and, and hurts his body. Um, one of the things about lepers and leprosy and why they're all kind of, you know, grody looking at some why people would stay away from them is because they would hurt themselves because they can't feel anything. And, and, and they'd wear off their fingers and, and, and injure their faces and noses. And, you know, how hard do you scratch? You reach up to scratch and you think you're scratching and you look and you got part of your nose in your hand. You scratch too hard. Are you hearing me? Pain lets you know how far you can go. Now, chronic pain is a bad thing, but normal pain is healthy. And the fact that we can hurt each other and feel hurt by each other and feel the pains of others is a good thing. It is a healthy thing. It is a normal thing. It is not a sign that something is wrong. It's a sign that something is very, 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 very right. Uh, But people, a lot of times, they're so afraid of being hurt that they pull away and they don't and they don't want to have to deal with things like patience and kindness and forgiveness they don't want to belong they think it's easier not to belong but it's not and and it's good for you to belong you well pastor you don't know what that guy did to me or that one other pastor what he did to me and they hurt me and oh, oh for crying out loud grow up already so you get your feelings hurt so what what do you think? That, you think the early Christians didn't struggle with this stuff? Man, I was, I was yesterday I, I, did, I was reading for hours over the weekend of history of the early church. And I find that stuff fascinating. I just love to see, you know, what they did and, and how we got to where we are today over the last 2,000 years. And uh, I was reading about the persecutions. Now, for the first 300 years of Christianity, there were waves of persecution. It wasn't constant. It would just happen sometimes just for a very short time, sometimes for, for uh, extended time. But it was, there were shorter times. But sometimes it was very intense. I mean, they were taking them and killing them and torturing them and throwing them to lions and all kinds of stuff. Usually, if something went bad in society... They, they needed a scapegoat. So if it didn't rain, it was the Christian's fault. And they would persecute the Christians. Or if, it would be like, you know, the stock market drops three, four hundred points and they start arresting us. It was like that for them. It was just they would t- turn around and beat up on these people. And while we've all heard these incredible stories of how Christians suffered and, and, and became martyrs and, and went to death and endured all these tortures for their faith... I was very disturbed to read, apparently it's a historical fact, not only in, in uh, uh, the secular time, but in the church records, that lots of Christians recanted their faith. I thought, what? I thought, I thought they were all martyrs. No, 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 no. Lots of them did. In fact, even some of the church leaders did. That would be like someone comes in here and he's going to start shooting off, you know, one at a time anybody who won't uh, deny Jesus. You know, some of us would go down and some of y'all, knowing human nature, would, no, I don't know, gee, I don't know anything about it. And they, they, would, they would recant. Now you can imagine the struggle that happened in the church because they said one of the big challenges of the early church is when these people would later repent and want to come back into the church. You think you're upset because the pastor didn't wave at you when you walked by the other day? Picture this. That's like your husband standing with several other men in the church and they kill him and they kill the next guy. And the next guy says, no, I I don't believe in Jesus. And then they kill the next guy. And then the next guy is your pastor and he denies knowing Jesus. 
And then a year later, because of, of being under great conviction of the Holy Spirit, they come back in repentance, and now they want to be part of the church. How do you think you're going to feel about those guys? How many think you'd have a little hard time? Yeah. This was the kind of forgiveness issues these people were dealing with. And in that context, they had to forgive and to receive back as part of the body. It was one of the great challenges that they had. Man, it's something we deal with is nothing compared. But these people, they loved each other. They prayed for each other. They forgave each other mainly because they were so aware that God had forgiven them. And if God had forgiven them of their sins, they must forgive others their transgressions as well. Well, in some of us, we, you know, we can't get over the fact that you know, somebody yelled at us or someone in the church was mean to us or some, you know, boy, 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 boy. Well, even though we're a relatively large church at Celebration, we have a wonderful way for people to connect on this smaller thing. We need to transition beyond just the big congregational experience. And this is wonderful. We love you being here. But if you're going to truly grow in your faith, you've got to transition into a smaller experience where you can really get to know people. Uh, Because only then can uh, people really get concerned about you and really get to know you. Now, the thing is, is a lot of people, they don't want people to get to know them. (laughs) And they don't want to get to know others. You know, people say, you know, I love you, Pastor Mark. And I always say, yeah, because you don't know me. You know, you ever have someone you thought was a really great friend until you went camping with them? (laughs) You know what I mean? Some people you thought they were really cool. And then you spent the weekend with them, and you got back and said, oh my gosh, those people are lunatics, whining, 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 whining constantly. See, you really get to know people when you get closer to them. And that's why marriages, a lot of people have such a hard time in marriages, because marriage, people think that marriage is supposed to be a cover. But in reality, marriage is a revealer. It shows you who you really are. He says, I don't like the way he makes me behave. No, that's the way you really are on the inside. He brings out the worst in me. Hello, you. (laughs) This is you. So it isn't pretty. Well, hello. That's why you need to grow and adapt and change. You refuse to change. I mean, a lot of people get mad at the mirror. Mirrors are wonderful things. Have you ever almost gone out of the house and checked in the mirror at the last second? Only to realize your hair was standing on end, something, your fly was opening, a toilet paper coming out the back, something! And you, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I looked in the mirror. But you wouldn't walk out and just say, oh, look at that, we need a, we need a new mirror! I've had it with this mirror! They're mad at the mirror, just showing you who you are! <coughs> And then you can grow and you look better. The reason most of you look so nice today is because of the involvement of lots of mirrors. Right? Even me this morning. If I put this makeup on for TV, it feels so weird. I don't know how you women do it. The whole time I want to scratch my nose and I can't, you know, smear all over the place. Mirrors are a good thing, it makes you better. It makes you look nicer. And the reality is, is, as uncomfortable as it can be, these close mirrors in, in, in Christian fellowship help us to become better. It helps us to grow. It helps us to be better people. Even though it's uncomfortable to look into the mirror. Now, we have these little opportunities 
called life groups. And simply put, life groups are small fellowship groups that are designed for one overarching simple reason. To help people connect. That's all. So that you can get to know people, people can get to know you. Now unlike the major ministries of the church that are decided by the pastoral staff and stuff, life groups, we leave that up to you. We encourage that in the church. Is there something you'd like to do? Would you like to lead a Bible study? You think, man, I wish we did this. Or would it be great if we had that? Someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I'd love it if we started such and such. Great, you're in charge. Yeah. If you think it ought to happen, you're the president. You do it. You do it. Church is about empowering the people. Not just the pastors. All right? So... Um, and and, and uh, we, we call them organic ministries in the church because they're driven as the Holy Spirit inspires different people uh, to come up with these different ideas. Now next Sunday, the next two Sundays, we're going to have lots of booths and stuff set up out there so you can see all the variety of uh, uh, life groups that we have to choose from. And I'm glad that it's next week instead of this week because the temptation would be that you walk out there and look around and say, oh, I don't see anything I like and just walk out. No, 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 no. Today, this week, you make a decision either to be part of one or not. Next week, you decide which one. Okay? Are you going to do it or not? No, well, I maybe or I think, no, maybe, nothing, nothing. Just yes or no. You say, no, I hate people. I don't want to meet with them. I can deal with that. But not this wishy, girly man stuff in the middle. And speaking of girly man, you guys in your homes, you dads, you husbands, you should be leading on this stuff. Don't be looking at your wife and saying, I don't, know, I don't know, you want to do it? Well, which one you want to do? I care, pick one. You know, be a man, man up for crying out loud. You know, men, they want to be respected as leaders, but then they don't want to lead. Somebody ought to slap you. Well, I have a life group, just guys that walk around slapping other guys that won't want to do it. Slapping ministry. That's good, just a group of men slapping other men. They can handle it. Let me know if you'd like to lead that one. <laughs> there's all kinds of good. Some of them are Bible studies. They think, wow, that'd be kind of a cool thing. They'll study that, you know, and, and, and whatever. Some of them are interest groups. There are all kinds of bizarre groups. One's a knitting group. We've got knitting group. Pastor Lathan will be in that one probably. Uh, we've got... <laughs> we've got a horse riding group. we got bowling. Stephen's Point, they're really big on bowling over there. Uh, I don't think, and, and every campus has their own different thing, all the different, uh, over there they've got weekends where it's just Packers, Brats, and big screens, because the, uh, uh, actually cooler than in here, I mean those are nice, but in, in point, in the camp, when we do another campus, we're getting ready to start one in, in Appleton this next year and stuff, they build the room around these gigantic screens, and it's so cool, there's these three, and made for football baby, I'm telling you, it is perfect, you know, there's scrapping groups where people, women get together and they... Scrap. <laughs> Whatever that means. Uh, uh, we've, we've got some uh, specific ministry purposes, just practical stuff like this Crown Financial. How to su- succeed, how to succeed financially. Some of you need to be in that group. You ought to at least go through, everybody ought to go through that at least one time. It's a great thing. How to succeed financially. Believe it or not, your problem is not lack of money. You do not need more money. Yes, I do. No, no, you don't. Because the people who get in trouble like that and they get more money just get in a bigger hole. And the 
deeper in the toilet. The toilet just gets bigger and deeper. Pretty soon it's a swimming pool toilet. All the money, they're still a mess. You need to succeed where you're at. And in fact, you start doing that, God will start to bless you. You can start succeeding even more. So if you struggle at all with finances, now you got more money than you know what to do with, come talk to me. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> you ought to go through this. Um, and, and that guy that's coming, I'm going to be here next Sunday. Do not despair. I'm going to be here, but we're bringing this guy. This guy's head of Crown Financial Services. He is uh, one of the leading experts on this field of any place in the world and he's coming to Green Bay to this church to speak to our people I think that's great so uh, be here next Sunday and, and listen to what he says but it's a great great thing there's support groups uh, if, you have, if you struggle with addictions and stuff like that we've got uh, the Celebrate Freedom thing. we've got divorce care for people uh, recovering from that grief share all kinds of different things that you can see now some meet in Green Bay, Stevens Point, De Pere, O'Connell Falls, Beecher, I've never done where Beecher is, Algoma, Kiwani, even in the wildlife sanctuary, they're going to be doing that. Um, and all kinds of, and let me say this to those of you who are leading some of these groups. Uh, um, some groups will thrive and succeed, and others will die a very quick, painful death. All right, do not despair. If nobody wants to sign up for your group, just pick another group. Okay, just, you know, just something. You might come up with, gee, I think... What's something really dorky? I don't know. <laughs> if you got something that's really dorky, you think it's a great idea, and nobody else thinks it's a great idea, it wasn't a great idea. It's okay. It's okay. Don't let the fact that, man, if I gave up every time I failed, I'd have quit a long time ago. Um, so, don't despair. Just try something else, and, and we'll see what happens. Everybody else, I want you to just take a step of faith. Connect with others. Now, you won't connect with everybody. In fact, you might do a small group and not connect with any of them. You might think, they're all lunatics. I don't like these people, all right? Well, don't give up. Just keep connecting. You can't connect with everyone. It's impossible. You, you won't. You can't. You certainly can't connect with me. You know, I mean, one of the knocks on a big church like this is that, well, you can't, you never can connect with the pastor. Well, there's not enough of the pastor to go around. Well, there's more this year than there was last year. But it's, it just can't happen. You know, and, and traditional Christianity, small little churches. There's four, 400,000 400, churches in America. 80% of them have 100 people or less in them. That's, you know, and everybody's used to this model. Connecting with the pastor. They'll be friends with the pastor. The pastor's going to come over. And every time I have an itch, the pastor's going to come over and scratch it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, if you want that, you're not going to like this place. Okay? But that's not real Christianity. Real Christianity is people connecting with people. You ministering one to another. That's biblical Christianity. They didn't all go over and hang out at Paul's house every time they had a need. Okay? So, this is an opportunity for you to do that. Um, You can't truly be part of the body if you don't connect with the body in any meaningful way. Don't just be a glove. Be a hand. Alright? Don't be just a shoe. Be a foot. Don't just be something the body wears on a Sunday. Be part of the body. The believers in early Christianity were very connected. As I was reading this thing yesterday, there's this quote in here. One of the early church fathers wrote this. He says, We are one in mind and soul, and we do not hesitate to share our earthly goods with one another. He writes this, All things are common amongst us. In other words, we share everything. All things are common amongst us, but our wives in that cool, you got to put a line somewhere. We share everything but our wives. And everything's open. We share everything. 
with each other. I mean, ideally, we talked about the Freedom House earlier, you know. uh, In a community of faith like this, there should never be a need for a Freedom House. If one of you crash and burn and, and and you're without a place to stay, we should have people lining up to take you in. We'll take them for a month. We'll take them for, we'll take them for five, six weeks to help them get back on their feet. Why? Because that's the way Christians, certainly early Christianity, thought. But today, you know, everything's mine, 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 mine. Yeah, you ever see uh, Finding Nemo? And those seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. Reminds me of Christians. No, 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 no. That's not true. True Christianity has a sense. You know, everything I have doesn't belong to me. Everything I have doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And a willingness to open. A willingness to give. A willingness to share. Now I realize I'm talking way over a lot of y'all's head on this one. But let me just encourage you. Start becoming more generous. More open. More willing to connect. uh, To have people come and be part of your home. To willing to help those who are suffering. Wow. You know, it's Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciples. How? Building big fancy churches? No. Uh, um, having uh, really great preachers? No. Being, being real holy? No. He says, this is how they'll know, is when you love each other. When you love each other, that's what gets the world's attention. That's when people go, Wow, what I read to you last week from the Wall Street Journal, how they, they, they wrote and said that the whole experiment in this country of diversity and trying to get groups to get along with each other has been a miserable failure, except in evangelical churches. They notice it. It's bizarre. They think it's weird, because they think we're nuts, you know. Yeah, praise God. We're black and white and pink and purple. All get together. Love each other. Connect with each other. That's what gets people's attention. And the more we grow, and we'll continue to challenge. You know, I, I, no way do we nail this today. <laughs> okay? You know, I'll just be happy we don't irritate each other just quite as much today. But we need to grow in this to where we really belong to each other. A sense of belonging. A sense of, if I cut this off, this will really, really really hurt that's how connected we should be with each other I, I preached a, mer- a message some a couple of years ago in, in uh, Stephen's point I said you know be part of the body but don't be a don't be hair don't be a fingernail nobody cares you clip it off it doesn't matter you should be such a part that if you're not here we all go ow right the thumb goes I notice that Hair falls out, I haven't noticed that for years. (laughs) Be something vital. Again, you need to grow. And one of the ways you can start growing is making this decision. You know what? We're going to connect in one of these little things. And whatever it is, I don't care if it's knitting, I don't care whatever else. And again, you might spend the whole, you know, five, six weeks or however long different groups last and walk out of there and you didn't connect with anybody. That's okay. But don't give up. Just keep realizing I need to be part, you know. Again, you can't be part of everybody. The bones of my foot have no idea what's going on in my head. They're really not all that connected. They're glad they're there. The head's glad the foot's there, and the foot's glad the head's there. But you, you can't be that close with everybody. But you need to be close enough that you can grow 
in your faith. All right. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and get ready to serve communion and our musicians to come back up. With 12 men, Jesus Christ changed the world. I'm convinced that if we can develop into small groups of people who really love and care for each other, that we can change our world. And while it's important to be part of a group of believers, the most important thing is you need to be part of Jesus. You need to become part of the body of Christ. And the only way to do that is for you to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Going to church won't do it for you. You say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, that's not going to help you. I give to the United Way, so what? It's great, but that's not going to help you. You need to understand something. Without Jesus, you're completely lost. A lot of people think of Jesus as some kind of a multivitamin. You know, if you take this multivitamin, you'll feel better. And sometimes we're guilty of sharing Jesus that way with people. You know, if you ask Jesus in your heart, you'll be happier. If you ask it, you know, not necessarily. If you ask Jesus in your life, your life will go smoother. Not necessarily. Those believers who are getting killed, that was a bad day for them. Not going well. Not particularly happy when they're being tortured. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus isn't a multivitamin to make you feel better. He is the cure for a terminal disease that you have. And the terminal disease is called sin. You say, well, my sins aren't that bad. Doesn't matter. A little bit of cancer will kill you if you don't catch it. We've all sinned and it will destroy you for eternity if you don't get the cure. The good news is the cure is here. It's available and it is free. You just need to reach out and take it. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning before we get ready to share communion and reflect on the body and the blood of Christ shed for us. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer along with me, but if you've never truly taken the cure, if you've never really reached out and asked Jesus Christ into your life, let me encourage you this morning. Pray this prayer with us. Mean this from the bottom of your heart and God can start his miracle of love and forgiveness in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.